Once upon a time, I was sitting in my room. Alright. Thinking about all the things I want to say and do. Like what? Such a quiet man. Shh. What can I do then? I don't know. Start a brand new podcast with my family and my friends. Oh, cool. Hey, my name is Joe. Hello. That you want to know. What you got? Let's begin this journey. Thank you so very much for joining. Yeah. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Joel. So we are on episode 28 today. And before I tell you what this topic is about, I would like to welcome back Tony to my podcast. So if any of y'all have been watching or listening to my episodes, you will remember Tony from episode 20, where we talked about real estate. And I went into that not knowing much about real estate. I knew a little bit just because my dad is a broker. So he does a little bit of real estate on the side um, from his primary job, which is at Coca-Cola. So I knew just a little bit, but uh, but Tony was able to give me a little bit more insight as far as the process of like what it takes to get a house, whether it's a, a new house from the ground up or a house that you know somebody's already been living in. And like, I learned a lot of terminology from that too. So I definitely appreciated him being on that one with me. And this topic is going to be a little bit different, but, uh, but before I tell you the topic, I just wanted to say, welcome back, Tony. And it's good to have you. Thanks for having me back. It's a, uh, it's a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. So today's topic is going to be a little, um, and when you hear it, everybody's going to be thinking, oh my gosh, Joel is going to bring this into his topics and to, to his conversations. But I mean, it's reality. I mean, it's something that happens to all of us. So the topic today is going to be on death. So I know that sounds very dark. I know we're here. We are in October, haunted houses and, uh, you know, all these scary movies and uh, Michael Myers, you know, stuff like that. So as I know, uh, as death is definitely a situation that, you know, a lot of people may be thinking like, oh my gosh, why do you want to talk about death as like such a horrible, horrible moment? And uh, I'm going to try to make this conversation as light as possible. The first question may be the only question where maybe a little intense, depending on how we answer it. But the rest of these, I'm going to try to make these as, um, you know, as <laughs> as fun not fun but like as a uh, light-hearted as possible so uh, so I'm going to go ahead and jump into this first question and I'm going to have uh, Tony answer first and then I'm going to answer as well and then uh, then you know we'll keep moving forward as far as these questions I have four questions for him today so my first question is going to be um, is death a moment that you fear or used to have a fear of um so I think that honestly, it's something that I guess I feel like it's something that I don't really think I can comprehend entirely until because like, you know, you go through the whole like stages of grief. Um, so it's like on one hand, it's like, yeah, it's unpleasant. On the other hand, it's like, well, it's going to happen anyway. So uh, it, it, it really kind of changes depending on, on my mood. Um, I know that whenever I was really little I guess you know I had more of a thought of um like you know when you're when you're a kid you just think about like how you're a kid so you just don't you're just like oh that's that's far away I won't I don't want to think about that so it, it wasn't really 
it wasn't really scary then. And now it's kind of something it's, it's kind of like halfway matter of fact, halfway, like, well, you know, I'll, I'll think about it kind of thing. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely, it's, 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 it's more like a, it, it's a question or it's a, it's a, it's a thing that when you think about it, it opens up more things to think about, I guess you'd say. <laughs> yeah, that is true, Leslie. Once you start thinking about death and you start thinking about all these like sub questions that go behind that kind of question. So that's definitely true. And uh, even for me, uh, I'm kind of torn on this answer because um, like for me, I guess, uh, well, I want to point this out. Like I know we both go have different walks of life when it comes to religion so I wanted to point that out and for my viewers as well so um so for me like you know um I consider myself a Christian so and as a Christian I think people don't want to think of the um, they we we know we're going to die but no one wants you to be scared to die and I think like uh like if you're a Christian and you say that you're scared to die it almost makes it sound like you don't you don't trust God or you don't trust where you're going to go um, when you die, which we will cover that a little bit more as we get on later on down uh, this episode. But uh, I feel like, you know, a lot of people may think, you know, like, yeah, if you, if you say you're scared to die, honestly, yeah, it makes it sound like you, you don't want, you know, like basically you just want to stay here on earth as long as possible. And, and I mean, yeah, like I, I could say I'm kind of torn on that just because I, there are so many things in life that like I have done and I'm definitely glad that I've done, but there are things also that I still want to do. And I'm still, you know, young, I'm not even 30 years old yet. And, you know, there's still a lot of life to live, but I know, unfortunately, you know, people do, you know, die, pass away at a, at younger ages too so Eliza just wanted to live you know every day to the fullest but uh but for me um as of right now I I kind of go in between like right now I kind of feel like you know just accepting it because that's what that's what's going to happen to us eventually when we get uh you know as we're one day closer to our time so as I just know it's, it's bound to happen but uh, but I do still struggle definitely with the idea of, you know, dying and it kind of, you know, makes me start wondering, oh, no, like, you know, what's going to happen to me? How am I going to die? Can I just, you know, die peacefully, my, die peacefully in my sleep? Like, you know, there's like a lot of things that go into that. So, so yeah, that's how I definitely is. Um, it definitely could be a struggle for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I don't really think that like the actual process of dying, like unless I'm straight up being like tortured to death or something, like I'm not really worried about that. It's more about, you know, like, well, what's going on after that? And what exactly will that look like? Um, and, 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 you know, of course, there's also the thing that would actually scare me more than well, I don't want to say more than either of those, but what's scary more than the dying part is like if I were to die, you know, while I still have loved ones, like it 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 is actually like something that that really bothers me to think about because like like what if because like I've I've seen 
glimpses of that like for example whenever um in 2017 i got into a really bad car accident and you know i i came out of it okay but whenever i called my parents and i was in montgomery they were an enterprise and so it's about an hour and a half drive and i called them you know i'm still in shock and they just instantly dropped everything packed their bags got some you know i guess some clothes that i still had back at their place or something and rushed to come see me but it's just like you know it's like as soon as you see your loved ones after something like that happens, like you can see that emotion all over their face. You can see how terrified they are to lose someone that they that they care about so much. And, you know, thinking about that is is more difficult to me than thinking about myself actually dying. Um, because, you know, I just I don't want to do that to anybody. Um yeah, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. And I could definitely kind of relate to your story. Not that it was me being close to uh, death or being in a like bad car accident. But my mom, uh, she back in 2018, this actually was like right around the time we were gradu- both graduating from college. Uh, she was diagnosed like three days after I graduated from college. She was diagnosed with uh, with stage four colon cancer. And I think I remember, I remember seeing you post about that, actually. Yeah, no, I said it was definitely hard because um, like she wasn't even at my graduation because she was having a hysterectomy like a few days before. And I said she had a full hysterectomy and uh, she was, you know, recovering and she was, you know, at uh, St. Vincent's Hospital uh, recovering while I was graduating. But thank goodness for technology nowadays because uh uab was doing a facebook live on the graduation so my sister-in-law was able to go up there and like have you know her see me graduate and you know she got to see me walk across and all that so i was glad for that yeah that's (laughs) cool yeah so i was glad for that but uh but like once my mom got diagnosed, um, 2019 was emotionally draining for me because there were many times, even there at the beginning at 2018, she, like when they were doing the full hysterectomy, she had like another big, like, I think they consider it like an abscess that was like here on her like abdomen or like stomach area. And it was like growing. And like, and they, they said something like if they didn't do the surgery that day to like, within a few days that she was going to be gone. So yeah. they were, they were able to do that. And thankfully, Liza, she was okay from that, but that was just the beginning of the journey because I was even before she was diagnosed. So, um, i fast forward maybe like, uh, nine or 10 months later in September of 2019, uh, at this point she went through nine rounds of chemo and then, uh, the cancer was still there. It was just like, it was a one little piece of cancer that was like hidden all the way up, like way up in her. So they had to do a surgery. Um, at this point, we moved over to UAB because uh, there was some weird stuff with St. Vincent's and the fellow we could trust uh, the UAB staff a little bit more. So we transferred her over to UAB at this point. And uh, anyway, she had her surgery at UAB and, you know, they got the cancer out successfully. So we thought, oh, great. Like this is you know, this is good. Like, you know, hopefully stays away. And, uh, but a few weeks later, well, actually no, a few days later before she even got out of the hospital, she, um, so that she couldn't feel her leg, like one of her legs was very numb. And I think it was because of, uh, whatever, whatever they were doing, like during the removal of it, they must've hit a nerve. 
and and made it to where her left leg was numb and and it's kind of a, a double whammy for her because she has like these varicose veins it's like very like it could cause blood clots so uh so anyway like a few weeks after that surgery um I went to work and anyway I got a call later in the day that like my my mom fainted and I was thinking like oh like you know I, I didn't know if she fainted because like previous times when I've heard that she fainted it was more of just she fell over because of her leg being so weak so I was just thinking maybe she just fell and that maybe she's okay but uh but anyway I heard she was going to the hospital so I was thinking well hopefully they're just going to check her and maybe she'll be okay and come back home but anyway um a few hours later went by and one of my brothers called me and he's like he's like this isn't good he's like she like she only has like two to three hours left to live so we were like whoa so like we all had a you know we all flew to the hospital and oh at this point like of course I was emotionally drained once I got there uh all of my family a lot of my family was there already and we were just there waiting and waiting waiting and um and anyway she only had like a 30 percent chance of this surgery working And, and it actually ended up working whatever they did it worked and uh and to this day, she is three years cancer free as of right now. So that is definitely good. But I, I bring all this up just because uh, because just the, the idea of death, like because we thought that day that the doctors were going to come out and say that, you know, we're sorry that, you know, she's gone. And yeah. that was uh, definitely very hard to take in because I especially when you're close to a family member like that, I'm really close with my mom. I feel like. I look to her as like, I mean, I know people are gonna be like, oh, mama's boy, but but I mean, I I'll claim that with pride. So like yeah. I'm uh like I feel like I'm a I guess mama's boy. I talk, you know, me and her have really deep conversations and the thought of not having her was uh was hard. So like it's just definitely uh death can be you know take a big effect on people. And like I'm definitely glad with your situation that you ended up okay. And that, you know, that you were, you know, safe from all that, but I know how it can affect people for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I totally like right there with you. I mean, like I I text my mom like every day. So like, it's, 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 yeah, I hear you. Um, No, that's definitely been something that, I mean, it's one of those inevitabilities, you know, that you, that you wish didn't have to be an inevitability, losing those that are close to you. Um, you know, you just, the only thing you can really do is make the most of the time that you have, whether that's your time or your time with someone else. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a bittersweet thing, but, uh, that's kind of, you know, just the, the state of things. I mean, what, what can you do? I mean, you can do a lot in that we have modern technology, we have life support, we have all kinds of interesting medicines. I mean, God, my mom has so, so many different things that she's had to explore medically. And actually, that's a lot of what we talk about is health stuff, because I inherited so many of her health problems. And, you know, it's just, especially, um, before I started really like losing weight and stuff, a lot of it was getting really, really bad. And she's like, Oh, you sound like I did whenever I was, you know, I get, I think she was actually younger than me when she started having some of those problems. But, 
you know, it's just, it's, it's really complicated and weird. I mean, heck, she was told she wasn't even supposed to have kids and now she's had two. So it's like, um, you know, just, just all kinds of stuff. But I mean, I think that could be a whole other conversation about health complications because that's, that is definitely several episodes of my life. Um, and our, our family, really all of that, but, uh, I don't want to get too off topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that is true. The health does come into, that does tie into a lot of, you know, how we keep on living, uh, you know, you know, keep living basically because I said there is, uh, health does affect, you know, whether we live or die or whether we have a struggle, you know, going on with that. So that definitely is a uh, really big. So I said, maybe eventually maybe we could do, I know I do have an episode that I want to do on health. So maybe, maybe that one will uh, be the right time to kind of talk more about that because that, that would be really good to talk about. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, I have, I have a lot to say, but I have a lot to say about a lot of things, but anyway. <laughs> so uh, speaking of loved ones, um, I'm going to go into our next question because it kind of ties into the loved ones. Uh, so when I think of death, I think of like the preparations that some people uh, set up for, you know, whenever it comes to their time to go, such as uh, such as having like life insurance and like writing down passwords to like other info, like, you know, maybe bank accounts and, you know, important accounts that, you know, their loved ones may need to get into or writing out a will, or even uh, some people may even like make plans for their own funeral. So um, I was wondering, do you feel like all, all of these things are necessary or do you feel like some of these things may not be um, necessary, but it's good to have, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, I think it very much depends on your situation. There are some things, and this is just another technical detail that a lot of people don't know, like when you talk about wills, like you typically think like, oh, I have a will, whoever's my beneficiary or whoever's the lawyer handling my estate has to do what I say in my will, basically. But that's not necessarily the case. Like there can be a lot of like legal issues that come up. Like if you say, hey, I want to will my property to my surviving loved ones. I know this is going to go on a whole other real estate tangent, but um, there are other options like a living trust, which apparently like kind of streamlines the whole process and you can get past a lot of the legal mumbo jumbo. But like I personally have life insurance, um, which is this very invasive process. I don't, have you ever gotten life insurance? Yeah, I actually did here in the past year. I got life insurance. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of weird because it's like they are literally doing a medical examination on you to determine if you're worth their money investment which is so weird but you know and they hand you this little pamphlet from like the 80s they're like we're going to test you for HIV to make sure you don't have that kind of thing and it's just like that's I don't know just it just seems kind of excessive but um yeah uh, I got life insurance um a lot of companies will actually provide like a death benefit too. And then you don't have to do anything for it. I know my last company did my current company is not, but I think it's because they're so small. Um, but like, let's see, uh, passwords and stuff like that. I, I definitely haven't written down any of my passwords. Um, but I kind of feel like when it comes down to it, like if you really want to get into someone's computer, I mean, speaking from experience, you can find a way, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, if, if it comes down to it, um, or you can find someone who can help you. Like, it's not, 
it's not the end of the world if you don't have someone's password. Um, let me think. Let's see. Passwords, life insurance. I don't know. And you see, it's also weird for me because I'm the youngest of my family, my immediate family. So like the chances of me dying before them is a little bit less. Like my older brother is almost four years older than me. And my partner is is almost six years older than me. So like the idea that even though he's the beneficiary for, you know, like my, my life insurance, stuff like that, there's not really, uh, I don't really know, like, like if, if like, I'm just imagining like some sort of like terrible family vacation gone wrong. Like what if everybody I know and love in my sphere, like all dies at once? Like, I don't know what happens after that. Like, does it just get like seized by the government or like, I don't know. I feel like I need to write a will at some point now that I have all these assets in a house, particularly that I could like, at least at the very bottom line, like, okay, look, if all these people are dead, then like, at least give it to like this, like charity that I pick out or something. Like I would at least want that. Um, and I mean, either way, it won't matter. Like I won't be around to figure that out, but that, that's, that would be, that's probably like the one more thing that I really need to, to get in order, but you know, life's busy. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Like life definitely gets busy. Like when it comes to like writing out a will and like being prepared, prepared for that moment, like so definitely no one wants to think about that, but it, you know, a lot of people do say that it like, if you have any kind of money that a will is necessary, like it's good to have. And cause if not, then like your money goes to whoever, like, you know, but at least if you basically have a say in where, where everything's going to, like, I guess that's uh, definitely good. And I know a lot of people have like a misconception on wills. Like a lot of people think that wills is only for like the wealthy. I feel like a lot of people think it's just, um, I don't know, I just feel like it's only for people that make a lot of money and stuff like that when it's not. And, you know, a lot of people think also that it may just be for, you know, you you just write out a will when you get older. And But it's like, no, like you can write out a will at any time. Like, it's as soon as you start, um, you know, having your own kind of, you know, money and all kind of, you know, different things, you know, financial stuff behind all of that. I think, you know, anytime's a good time to start writing out one personally for me I have not done it either so Liza just like it's a life gets busy and I said the idea of just writing one down just sound it just seems very like ugh. like it is I don't know I just eventually I'll get to it but right now I'm I don't know Liza right now I'm not really you know wanting to worry about that but as it is necessary it's good to have for sure so um another thing like as far as I uh, like planning your own funeral like you said it does depend on the situation because for me like um if I were to pass away I wouldn't want to like have a casket and a funeral and all that um I want to like I, I know this sounds like terrible everybody's gonna be like good grief you're talking about how you want to die like like what's gonna happen to your body after you die but uh but like I would like to be cremated because I don't want I know this sounds like a irrational fear but like I don't want to be in the casket be buried six feet under and then wake up and think like oh no like I'm dumb in the casket I'm like I can't get out of here so like, I don't know that's like a, a rational fear probably that I have but so, like, I want to make sure that even if you're not fully dead that they, they get the job done <laughs> <I guess. laughs> yes exactly that's what I'm thinking like 
you know, I'm, that's why even on my driver's license, I put I'm an organ donor. So yeah, take out my organs, you know, cremate me, make sure if I'm dead, I'm dead because I don't want to come back alive in a casket six feet under. And also just the idea of that, like, like would scare me definitely for sure. Just cause I, I feel like maybe every now and then I can get like a little claustrophobic, like depending on the situation. So, so like I want to make sure if I'm if I'm gone, I'm gone. So, like, so just planning out your own funeral is you know depending on how how you want that to happen for you. And um, well, historically, so historically there have actually been cases of that happening, and that's why they used to put little strings in the coffin and a bell, and that would go up to the the surface, and they'd be like, hey. Uh, you know, if you, uh, if we got, if we got it wrong and you didn't actually die, then you just ring the bell and there's people who would, you know, go and do the graveyard shift, the literal graveyard shift and they will dig you up and they'd be like, sorry about that, mate, you know, but let me go get the coroner and undo your death certificate, you know, um, just business as usual. I mean, they had a lot of messed up stuff like that. You think about, um, um, in, in old times whenever we weren't quite to the level we are now and in, in medical and technological advancements but uh I, i've seen some things you know in the modern thing i i've seen some people i don't know some people might consider it disrespectful or tacky but like i mean i guess if you put it in your own will like i've seen some really interesting funerals where people like they get someone to instead of putting them in the casket they um they prop them up in a chair and they like put them like at a table or they put like shades on their eyes or something like that so you can't see you know they're obviously dead and they just look like they're chilling out and they're like well i want people to come here and have a party and just i'm just here you know like it's a little bit morbid but you know i guess if that's what you want that's what you want and you know it's your will <laughs> um, <laughs> there's also there's also like uh there's also a lot of those eco options, you know, like, oh, I want my body to decompose and turn into this, like a tree or whatever. Um, personally, I don't really care about any of that. Like, I feel like if I still have, you know, people around who are going to be uh, upset whenever I die, I mean, because like it, it, in, in, in my worldview, I kind of like feel like, you know, I, I feel like once you get so old, you know, you outlive if, if you if you outlive everyone then it's like okay well there's not gonna be anyone left to cry over me when i'm gone so but if there are people like that who you know at least attend and be like okay hey we're sad about this person i would really just want them to do whatever they felt is necessary because they're the ones affected not me you know whatever is going to help you get your closure i mean funerals are not for the person whose funeral it is obviously they're not really around anymore um or however you, you choose to view that, they might not exist, you know, whatever. It's, it's just, it, funerals are for those who remain. So whatever costs are associated. I mean, technically funeral costs, I believe are actually included as a part of my life insurance. So like if, if I were to like just suddenly die right now on screen, you guy on camera and everything, uh, then, uh, you know, those left behind would already have that expense taken care of. And I think it would also pay off my mortgage, which would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, 
Yeah, that's a good, that's really good points, <clears throat> excuse me, to make because, like I said, it's not when it comes to our death, like I said, it is about, you know, our loved ones and like so when we leave them, how that's going to emotionally affect them. So I see definitely want to make that closure as, you know, as light as possible or, you know, just give them that full closure, even though like, so you're always going to probably mourn over that person, but at the same time, just giving, you know, giving you that time to grieve and mourn and then, you know, just having to move on with life. And I said, that's definitely big. And like, as far as funerals, like that, uh, the one about the one, just the guy just sitting there with the sunglasses, like that definitely, uh, would be like a lot of people that is depending on how you look at funerals, you know, some people look at funerals as like a sad time, but then, you know, a lot of people also view funerals as like, a way of you know celebrating somebody's life so like you can look at it from two different ways you know some people want the idea of you being you know happy and celebrating you know you know not celebrating a death but celebrating a life and you're just getting to uh you know be with your loved ones and trying to make the best out of the situation so I can see how you know, both ways are good, you know, also both ways can, you know, work out, but uh, as far as, like, the other couple of things, like, with life insurance, as I mentioned, I have that as well, so, like, so that's definitely good to have, because you just, you never know, I mean, I know, um, at first, when I got hired from Coca-Cola, I think they even, like, offered me life insurance, and I was like, I'm good, they're like, but what if, it's like, <laughs> I was like okay thanks I was like but I'm gonna wait but I think the following year I ended up getting it but um but as far as the, the last thing as far as writing down your passwords and um you know for your accounts um I personally do only because there's so many like like as of right now I'm not really writing it down for the purpose of if I die everybody can see my passwords but it's more of I need to remember my own passwords nowadays because there's so many uh, websites that require different styles of passwords, whether it's, you know, all, you know, capital letter and, um, you know, put a symbol or a number or something in there. And lesson. so, and then of course, some like with my company, I have to change my password every 90 days. So I said, it's just, uh, and like I said, there are ways for people to still get into, uh, your accounts, even if they don't know the password. So like, so there's, uh, definitely ways around that. So it's not totally necessary, but, um, for me, I, I personally do it, but not really for death reasons. It's more just for uh, trying to remember my own passwords while I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I, we have, um, at work, we use this program called NPass. That's just, it's like a password manager, and it can actually generate passwords that are, like, really safe and, like, so many characters long. It's actually, I think, it had actually proven like the whole methodology of making you change your password every so often is actually less safe because every time that it comes up, nobody wants to think up a whole new password. They just want to like append a letter or a number or something or a character on there. And, you know, that just means that if a hacker or somebody who got a dump of passwords had your old password, they just have so much more a kind of a general baseline to guess what it's going to be the next time. Um, and especially if they get like, you know, two different points of data, then it's like, oh, okay, cool. Well, here's what your password was this time. And here's what it is this time. And now I can algorithmically procedurally generate your likely next password and probably get it right. Um, and that takes a lot less time than trying to brute force like the entire password, for example. Whereas if you have an entirely random string of completely inconsequential numbers, letters, and symbols, you are just 
you know, there's, there's nothing to go on. You're just, you, you've got a safer password, at which point that's not a password. That's a pass, pass thing, you know, <laughs> but, uh, nah, it's, I don't write down anything, um, just because of, you know, it just not really a good practice either. Um, yeah. so, so it's, but you know, that's, that's that's kind of that's that but anyway yeah um i'm sure that if people want to get into my computer after i die i mean that that's a whole other thing it's like god well you know i I don't even know like maybe by the time i die i'll have a computer like implanted in my mind you know like (laughs) i mean Maybe they won't have to try so hard. Like, oh, okay, we got the corner report. We've got the back door into his mind computer, you know. It's something cool. Yeah, you uh, never know. <laughs> you never know with this technology nowadays. It's like every time they come out with something new and it's like, whoa, that can happen? It's like, yep, that can happen. So <laughs> it's, it's Elon Musk's Neuralink. I think that they called the prototype so far or whatever. He wants to, he wants to get people, like, turn them into androids, stuff like that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's uh i see and you make a really good point about like the passwords you know situations that more than likely people are going to just change a number or like you know make it to where more than likely even the hackers can you know know your password or what the likelihood of what your next password is going to be because i have been guilty of kind of doing that same thing where you know i'll just change the number um like every time when it's like all right time to change it's like uh like i don't care to start thinking about another brand new password so i'm just going to change the number from like you know one to two you know on here so like it's definitely um like definitely isn't good practice because like i said it can be uh you know that you're just gonna you know the whole idea of changing your password for safety is uh done in vain because like you're just going to be getting hacked too after all because you changed your password from you know one one to one two so like so it's uh yeah that's definitely not good but uh but yeah um let's see i think that covered everything with that question though death uh um funerals arrangements like I said, life insurance is complicated, or it can be complicated. It was more complicated than me getting car insurance. I'll say that. Um, like I had, I had to do. I was trying to do some more well-rounded research on it actually, because at first I was thinking I was just going to get it bundled with everything else, because that's how insurance companies work. They want you to bundle all of your different kinds of insurance together. And I was like, well, I got renters insurance, and I had it through my this one company, and I got homeowners insurance, and I got car insurance, and insurance insurance. You know, just I I didn't see any reason why I shouldn't get life insurance with a company. And then it you realize what it really is and why, you know, obviously people don't care about your life and assets. It's it's about the growth of money and um how these funds that you are putting in are grown and invested um in private and public funds. And it becomes a whole like stock market thing and about how your money actually grows in value and because like a lot of people talk about apparently and then how they kind of market it to you whenever they first come to you and they talk about like this life insurance pitch like oh why do i fresh out of college young and relatively healthy need life insurance and they're like well 
it's actually an investment. And like after you've paid through your term, depending on if you got term or life policy, you can like actually sell it at the end if you've already finished paying it off or something. And it can actually be literally worth more money than what you started out as. But um, anyways, that's, that's just, that's a whole thing about life insurance, which I had to learn some about and it was um, confusing. But uh, I, I, I think I've got a good deal now. It's not too much. Uh, and they work with you and like you can adjust like the rates you want to put in and how much it'll, it'll be worth and stuff. So it's, it's um, I think it's a necessary evil. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. That is very true. Lesson it, it is a lot more, you know, complicated than people make it out to be definitely for sure. Lots of people may think it's just simply just getting it and that's it. But it's like, you know, there's a little bit more that goes into it a little bit more nooks and crannies that, you know, dot the I's cross the T's kind of situation. So there's a lot more to it. So, uh, you know, definitely, you know, for anybody that, you know, is thinking about getting life insurance just you know be prepared and you know just know that there are people that are willing to work with you on that so you're not just going into it alone and have them make these huge big choices that uh you know that could affect you you know long term so let's just definitely you know be prepared for all of that you know whether it's life insurance or you know writing out a will or um or you know preparing your own funeral or any of you how you know what you want to do with your body whether you you know, sell your body to science or, you know, I've had an uncle that did that. So let's just, you know, there's so many ways that you can go about doing that. So um, moving on to this next question. So this is going to be a question where I know both me and Tony are going to have two different answers, I feel like, but that is okay, because this is all about just hearing each other's perspectives and opinions. And this is um, what my podcast is about is hearing everybody from every age and stage of life. And, you know, I said, it's uh, all good. So anyways, my next topic, well, not next topic, my next question is going to be about like the afterlife. So once we pass away, I feel like, I mean, I'm sure people have more different beliefs, but I think of three different beliefs that people have when they die. I feel like it's either when you die, you go to heaven or hell. And then I feel like there's, I mean, then there's more into that. Like I know with Catholicism, there's like the idea of purgatory, but I won't get into that uh, right now. But, uh, or there are some people that think when you pass away that you reincarnate into something or, you know, you know, someone else, you know, or something like that. I'm not sure about that whole process. Or there is the whole idea of when you pass away, you just, cease to exist and that's that's it like so you're you're dead there's nothing else after that so i was wondering uh like with you like what like what out of those three or if there is another option like you know what do you kind of believe in when it comes to the afterlife so belief is a tricky word because you know a lot of people you know especially in, in the religious context especially within relation to um I guess Judaism, Christianity, you know, people say the word belief, you know, that's having faith in something. And to say that I have faith in any particular idea of what is going to happen, I feel like is kind of inapplicable because I don't, you know, I consider myself an agnostic. I don't have a belief. And I believe I believe the word agnostic means without knowing, you know, because a lot of people, when they put their belief and their trust and their faith in something, 
they speak about it as if they know it. That is an undeniable, inalienable fact to them because that is that is their faith, that is their worldview. And, you know, the, the agnostic is kind of the, um, I guess, uh, some people would probably call it um, intellectually honest, but, um, uh, what is that word? Um, co- convictionally weak. Um, because you're not putting in a stake, you're not putting in a gambit, you're not putting in a, a gamble um, before the before the the race is won. You know, you're just saying, ah, well, it could be this, it could be that. Um, you know, I mean, I grew up very much in a very similar uh, religious background, I believe. You know, and like what you're mentioning, Judeo-Christian background, and those things really did bother me a lot growing up. In fact, it was actually more than just death and, you know, hell and fire and brimstone, it was that, you know, growing up, especially in the late 90s, early 2000s, everything was about the end times. Um, And, you know, a very sometimes literal reading of the book of Revelation. Um, So, you know, as though I have, you know, not maintained faith in that worldview and in that religious belief growing up, you know, I do still like to entertain a lot of different, you know, ideas about it and still like to learn about, you know, things in the Bible even today, because I think that it, um, you know, it's, it's something that sometimes brings comfort to, to learn a little bit more about the historical context. Like, for example, you know, a lot of people assume they think they know about heaven and hell is that, you know, a lot of what is sometimes translated as hell in the Old Testament was actually the word sheol, which actually just means grave or, you know, death, you're going to die. Um, because, you know, and I had seen some things, uh, they're not really recent beliefs, but it's actually, you know, a lot of the older views of what the ancient Israelites and the early uh, Judaism beliefs is of the afterlife where they were, were actually more that of annihilation, which is similar to that idea of where you just go and you die, um, which is which is why death was so feared, because it was like, well, you just cease to exist. Um, and that means that you can't be in communion with God anymore because you don't, you, you, you cease to be. Um, and in fact, you know, this may sound controversial, but, uh, you know, Technically speaking, at the time of Jesus Christ, it wouldn't have been a prominent Jewish belief to even believe in the idea of an eternal damnation and in hell. It would have been uh, it would have been more closer in line with that annihilation, except it was slightly different. The idea was that you know the life that was breathed into the dirt, into the dust, into what made human living, you know, their soul, that breath of life. Um, you know, that, that is, that is what the soul was. And so whenever, you know, Jesus says, you know, your, both your body and your soul can be destroyed in hell and, in, in you know, those very specific verses, which have been modernly translated as hell, the word he was referring to was actually Gehenna, which is a physical place outside the walls of Jerusalem, which was a, a place that had historically been associated with child sacrifice. So it wasn't really an eternal fiery, burning pit of, of, sulfur which is i think mentioned in the book of revelation it was actually a real physical place where look it was actually considered worse to be cremated upon your death because you would no longer have a body because you would know and you could therefore you know you would you would cease to exist you would be wiped from 
everything. And the idea at the time would be that, you know, upon God coming back and having, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the return to, you know, the, the, the new Jerusalem, the, the reestablishment of, of God ruling over the earth, that the believer that everybody believers or not would, would rise up again. And that those who were not, um, was it Th- those who did not those who were not saved basically would be wiped from existence and then those who were would then live out the rest of their life on earth in the new jerusalem you know that the earth would be restored so that was kind of as i understand it you know and i learned this much later than you know as, as a child whenever i was growing up with the fire and brimstone stuff was that, you know, at the time that Jesus and, you know, the ancient Judaistic beliefs were a lot more aligned with, you know, something very different than what I was taught that is still not very, I don't, I don't think it's, it's very popular um, even today because, you know, it kind of spiraled a lot of the beliefs and what we have in, you know, the Greek word that would later be incorporated into the New Testament text, Hades, came from the Greek philosophers which, you know, were a lot of, you know, we had a lot of Greek contributions to the later forms of Christendom in like several decades after Jesus Christ. In fact, you have, um, you know, you had this whole idea of this, this eternal punishment and damnation, or I think what they had in, in the, the Greek ideology was something more along the lines of that you had the underworld, and then you took the idea of, you know, again, Gehenna and, and the fire and, you know, the eternal death, which was just an ultimate end to things. And then you combine those and instead got suffering and fire and you put them together. And now you have this eternal lake of fire, which is what most Christians these days consider or constitute as, as hell. Um, as for heaven, I, um, I'm actually even... I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm actually even more confused about heaven than I am about hell, because I have seen so many different people. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the book Heaven Is for Real uh, mm-hmm. with the Burpo the Burpo family. Yeah, um, it's like on one hand, this would be a perfect situation to make a lot of money because you have a family who believes this thing and they've been telling their kid this. And then, you know, wouldn't it be so cool if after a near death experience, he comes back and tells the story of all these people who are in heaven, you know, it's a, it's a great setup. Um, But at the same time, you know, if you want to just base, you know, things on what people say they've seen in near death or actual death experiences where their heart stopped and they came back, you know, that doesn't just validate the view of heaven and hell. There's been people who say that they went and they were this universalist version of heaven where everybody went to heaven. Or there've been other people who say that they have dreams and visions and they remember things from a past life, giving credence to the idea of, uh, of um, reincarnation. And you know, these things are supposed to offer hope. And on some sense, in someone like me who is you know, by definition, indecisive and not really putting a stake either way. I mean, sometimes it does, but, you know, I think really it's just, it's, um, it's not really, uh, I feel like at, at my heart of hearts, the only thing I can really say is that I don't know. And because I don't know, 
you know, it's, it's, it, I think that's where the real fear of death comes from is that you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. You can convince yourself to believe whatever you want, but I mean, you can convince yourself to believe the Bible says whatever you want. People were using it before to justify slavery. People were using it before to justify their political agenda. I mean, it doesn't really matter. You have to pick and maybe stick to it. And you don't really have to do anything, but you know, you, you have to decide what you think is most real for yourself. And I think that's one of the hardest parts about life is that that includes your beliefs about death. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that again, you know, um, like, I don't, I don't, I can't really say for sure that I find um, that I find it likely that, you know, that, that hell would be the default destination in terms of our modern understanding of what we call hell would be the default destination of where everyone goes, or even referring it to the lake of fire and sulfur in the book of revelation. You know, I saw something just the other day, which, you know, unfortunately I haven't had the time to go and dig into yet, but apparently a literal reading of the book of revelation is only really a thing that's really started to be a a thing in, in Christendom and in, in the, the body of Christ itself, except for maybe like the last 300 years or so, like apparently before it was treated more as like a parable or something. And, you know, that's something I'm interested in willing to learn more about, even if I don't personally hold a faith or a belief in whatever the Bible as a whole is. Um, I think it's something interesting to study. Um, but uh, like, because, I mean, you know, that, that was the big scary thing. I don't know. I mean, we're about the same age. So I'm sure you probably remember the Left Behind series. Mm-hmm. Like, like it was a big deal. Like, they, it was this very literal, very guttural, terrifying, like, you know, you, you know, tomorrow or, you know, September 11th, 2001 was a precursor to, you know, like, okay, next, it, it, was, it, was, it was the Twin Towers today, you know, a month from now, just wait, they're going to start stamping 666 on your forehead. And if you refuse to get it, you're going to literally get beheaded. You know, that's not exactly something that, you know, I mean, if that was like in a scary movie, that wouldn't be a scary movie you show to a first grader typically. But that was the reality that we lived in. And it was very terrifying. You know, just the idea that at any moment there's going to be this grand rapture and you have to make sure that you're right with God or else, you know, everyone else in your family is proclaiming to be a Christian. They're all going to be gone up there without you. You know, what did I do wrong kind of thing. Um, But uh, yeah, sorry. That was probably really wordy. (laughs) No, no, you're all good. I definitely appreciate you sharing with me all that because there is a lot that goes into just the idea of thinking about the afterlife because like I said there is that you know kind of tying back to the first question of the fear of death you know you're not not knowing that once you die like what's going to happen next like is that's it or is it you know you are going to heaven or hell so I said there definitely is a a lot of questions that come at stake when it comes to that like I said that comes into you know I said yeah just a lot of was it just a lot of confusion sometimes and like a lot of you know was it just 
fear definitely so Liza that's definitely big and two things that you brought up that was you know like two like uh series and movies that you brought up about heaven is for real um originally when like I listened like I watched the movie for it and I read the book and originally I thought that like oh wow like this is like so cool that you know like this is uh that this kid, you know, went to heaven, came back and brought up all these stories. But as, but as I got older, I kind of thought, like, I don't know if like, I'm fully on board with the book and like kind of what it's about. Uh, I don't know, just feel like it's, uh, I don't know. Like I said, it's just, it's not really something I, I don't know, just kind of confusing to me now, which as I can see how, you know, so sometimes like even like so even if it's not that book when it comes to like even the bible there are confusing things that even me as a christian you know still wonder about like as you mentioned like parables like there's a lot of parables in there that like uh when jesus was here the first time like so he bought up a lot of parables and you know i read those and i think like oh my gosh what does these mean like what like, what is this supposed to be about? Is this about something that's bound to happen? Is this something that's already happened? And there's a, there's a lot of that, you know, so that can be confusion and, and less. And I know, uh, like, pers- well, also, before I give my answer, like, when I was thinking about the left behind, I kind of had that same idea because it came out when we were younger. And I was just thinking, like, you know, the whole idea, like, oh, well, He's coming back, you know, very soon. And like I said, if you're not a part of the rapture, then then like I said, you're going to be stuck here. And then there's going to be some kind of beast that comes around. You're going to have to, you know, like I said, have to 666 on your head or on your right hand or, you know, wherever. And uh, like I said, and if you don't accept the mark of the beast, then like I said, you will be killed. And so like I said, just all of that can bring a lot of fear even to you as a, a kid. So like I said, uh, like I said, that could be very you know, scary to just even think about. But uh, for me, I mean, unless I know everybody's going to be thinking, well, you're a Christian, so it should be obvious, which for me, I guess it is because uh, for me, I guess I believe that once we die, that there is going to be a heaven or a hell. I just, uh, I, just I guess I've just seen a lot of things in my life, not, not seeing anybody go to heaven and come back or go to hell and come back, but just more of uh I don't know, I guess just like going through that situation with my mom, I know that, um, I mean, I know that even people that aren't Christian that, you know, are not, you know, that don't involve with any kind of belief, uh, you know, their family members or they may go through cancer and come out of it alive. And listen, I know uh, even in the Bible, it talks about how, you know, God reigns on the just and unjust. So like, so I understand, that, you know, everybody, you know, can come out of it you know, alive and, you know, well, and less than unfortunately, there have been people that consider themselves Christians that go through cancer that do not come out of it. But I guess, uh, personally for me, um, I guess seeing my mom go through something like that, where she was two to three hours left from like dying. And, uh, and then here we are now, three years later, her leg is better. She's been walking. And I guess I've kind of, I'm a believer in like miracles and like believe that, you know, like, uh, cause I was expecting the worst and like the total opposite happened for me. So I think like 2019 was like kind of where I felt like, like we were talking, like you mentioned about faith. Like I felt like my faith, like in, in God, 
um, like grew during that process. And I feel like even before that happened, something terrible like that happened and or before she even got better. Um, I just felt like even my faith at that time was growing as well, just because I felt like I would have a lot of nights where I was like sort of emotionally drained, like just, you know, crying and, you know, all of this and like trying to pray for comfort. And, and I felt like eventually, like, you know, it felt like I, I got comfort, you know, to me from God during that time, you know, during those hard times. So uh, I guess personally for me, I do believe that there is a, a heaven and a hell. And listen, speaking of hell, you do bring up some really good points about like the the meaning and translations, like with uh, with Sheol and the Old Testament and Hades uh, and the New Testament, because like, there um, there are some you know translations that do happen throughout you know throughout all this time, of course. And like, so now we're here, we are speaking in English, but during the biblical days, there were you know, other languages involved. And, you know, of course, as we know, as a worldwide thing, there's thousands upon thousands of languages out there. So, you know, so even just the meaning behind those words too. Uh, so that can be very important too, to understand uh, anything in general, but for me personally, understanding the Bible, because I said, just understanding what what does hell mean? Like, what is, uh, what does it mean in the Old Testament? Like I said, with Sheol, like I said, that's a, uh, you know, it just means grave, you know, it's just, you know, it's a lot to that, you know, it's just to where, you know, like, so people maybe had the idea of just once you die, you basically cease to exist. But, uh, and here in the new, uh, new Testament, like, so there's, you know, the idea of, you know, the, or the word Hades is, you know, thrown into the situation. So I guess, yeah, so yeah, for me, like, so I feel like, um, when it came to, I guess as far as my beliefs, when it came to before, like I mean, I know there there was a covenant with God, you know, in the Old Testament, and then I felt like once, uh, like once Jesus came here the first time, uh, there was a, you know a new covenant, and I don't know if that's why there's different, like a different name for hell. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, it can be kind of confusing because, like I said, it is a a lot to it but I guess just seeing things throughout my life like so I guess I just feel like there is a lot of um a lot of I guess I guess I don't know reassurance to my faith I guess that uh that like I feel like uh I believe that once I die there will be a heaven or a hell and even that the idea of that could even be scary because like you don't want to you don't want to feel like you you live as a Christian your whole life and then you get up there and then like in one of the the four gospels, you know, of, it's either Mark, Matt, you know, or Luke or John, like uh I think Jesus says something like, I never knew you. And that's like I feel like that's the biggest fear I would have because uh I was not I don't want to feel like I lived my whole life as a Christian and then be told I was never like I never knew you. And I feel like that that could be a whole nother conversation. I mean, like, there's a lot that goes into that because as far as Christianity, there are a lot of, uh, even in the church, I feel like there is a lot of people that claim to be Christian, but don't show that they're a Christian. Like you just kind of check out the boxes, like, you know, okay, well, I went to church. Okay. Check, you know, you know, did this and this, um, and, you and know, the maybe, Easter Christians. <laughs> yeah exactly so there's those people that probably only go on easter you know only maybe go during a christmas time and that's about it so there's a lot of that that happens and you know there's a lot of people that just 
they they label themselves as a Christian, but but I feel like there's as I got older, there is a difference to me between being a Christian and being a Christ follower. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, may think you know, like, well, of course, like there's a difference, like you know, with that. But but I guess for me, when I was younger, I used to just think of the idea of the religion itself and kind of tying that into my life. But once I got older, there was more of the idea of having a personal relationship with Jesus that, uh, that you know, I started to, you know, apply more into my life, especially when I started going to my current church and, you know, just kind of uh, having that. But like I said, I think a lot of, um, I mean, I know this is a whole nother topic, but I'm not definitely speaking for your experience, but I feel like... Um, Maybe when it comes to people that are outside of Christianity, I feel like a lot of people maybe don't want to explore the idea of Christianity just because I feel like maybe because of the people itself. I feel like sometimes maybe some people can misrepresent Christianity. I feel like there's uh, people out there that, you know, we talk about the, the fruit of the spirit, you know, which is, you know, love and peace and joy and gentleness and all that. But then when when you see a Christian out there, you know, it, you know, giving out a different energy, giving more of a, you know, disrespectful and, you know, always chewing out people, getting in fights, quarrelsome, you know, hateful people. Like I said, it definitely uh, doesn't, it doesn't sound inviting, you know, when it sounds like people don't want to even consider the idea of, you know, whether there's a heaven or a hell. So I know that's a whole nother topic that goes into that, but I was just thinking, I saw, I feel like if we were more in, as a whole, I feel like there are a lot of good Christians out there, a lot of true, you know, Christ followers. But I feel like as a as a Christian myself, I would like to see more uh, more Christians that are actually Christian. Like, don't just say you're a Christian. Like, be a, like, you know, put action into your words and you know, put action into your faith. So um, yeah, so yeah, that's, that's kind a- of my tangent too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I I totally get it. I mean, you, you brought up some things in there I was actually kind of thinking about. Um, but first, uh, the most recent one, you to talk about, you know, Christians who, you know, really mean it. That's why every time that, you know, when I discuss this with anybody, um, you know, because especially if, you know, especially if I know somebody or it's just the topic, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to talk about it. You know, when we have, when, whenever somebody tells me that, they're a Christian, or even worse, they tell me they're spiritual but not religious. Um, that's that's a fun one. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I ask you know, it's like, well, what what do you actually believe? What do you actually do? How does this actually make a difference in your life? Like, what is what is your conviction? Which I think that's really that's really that that kind of word that kind of is what it comes down to is just like, okay, what is it that is a stake in your life that you know, says, yeah, this is it. This is what I'm about. This is what I believe. This is what I feel. Um, you know, and, and what makes that your personal walk, whether that be with Christ or, you know, whatever it is you believe in, it could be, I don't know, the, the Dharma and all that stuff. And like those Eastern religions. I mean, I, I won't lie. I haven't, I haven't really studied those. Um, I'm not inundated with those like I am with Christianity being in the part of the world where we were born in, you know, I mean, and then that's, um, so that, that's why it's, it's important. I think that, you know, yeah, everyone does have their, their own actual, um, their own actual 
conviction, I guess. You know, I guess that's the best word that comes with it. Another thing you mentioned, um, which uh, you mentioned about miracles, um, which, you know, I mean, you, you go ask my parents, they just say that everything has been a miracle, you know, like, again, like the fact that my parents weren't supposed to have kids, and then, you know, they, they had two, um, or the fact that I survived that car accident, not only survived it, I mean, because particularly, it was, it was really bad, it was like, I was really stupid, it was the end of the day, I wasn't thinking, I was really tired, um, I needed to fill up gasoline in my, in the riding lawnmower I had at the place. I, I was staying at this guy's place while he was out of town. I was keeping it up for him so I could, cause I was doing a co-op with the national guard. I don't, I don't know if, I think they have a co-op program at UAB, but it was through UA. Um, and I basically got to stay there like for cheap. It was like only 300 bucks a month, which of course, even a few years ago was almost unheard of. And then on top of that, it was Montgomery. So everything was super inflated. So there was no way I could have gotten a good deal like that. And that included utilities. So it was really him helping me more than the other way around. But I was making sure that I had to like mow his lawn, keep up with the place, keep it clean. And it was a tiny house. So it wasn't really that big of a deal. Like it was a really, really sweet deal for me um, for just getting in there and having a co-op on my resume saying, hey, you know, he did this thing that's marginally related to his career experience. So I could use that. And I eventually got another internship. And then after that, I got my first job, you know, it's, it's the whole process. That's just part of college. It's just getting those extracurriculars in there. But anyway, uh, so he really helped me out by letting me stay there. And so I worked about, it was about a 30 minute drive from where the guy lived to where I was working, which was at uh, the national guard compound in like the north part of Montgomery. And um, on their little compound past the little gate and everything, they have like their own like little gas tank and it was cheaper than anywhere else in town. So of course, being the cheapskate that I am, I filled up uh, six gallons worth of gasoline because I was thinking, oh, cool. I'll just drive this ride on home um, so I can fill up the, the riding lawnmower we have back there. And um didn't even really properly think to ventilate the car. I just, I just was, it was the end of the day. I just didn't think. So I made the stupid mistake of driving sealed up in a car full of gasoline and you don't really smell it at first. Or if you do smell it, you think it's just something you might spill in your clothes or something. And, you know, so I basically was asphyxiating. And when I actually started blacking out, I, um, it, it was, it was a situation where because of the pressure I would have like on impact that pressure with a gasoline in a contained uh, place like that, it should have ignited basically just by, from the impact, which means that I would have not only been in a car accident, I would have burnt to a crisp. Um, and that could have also happened. There could have been another ignition because whenever your car, whenever your car hit, go, it gets, hit when there's an impact a lot of cars with seatbelts will actually have another basically like shotgun shell equivalent lo loaded in your seatbelt to extra tighten it to keep you in place mine never went off if it had again that would have been something else that could have totally just destroyed my entire body because it would have set every all those gas fumes on fire you know um and there's also another thought that you know what if somebody hadn't found me and like, cause when I, when I came to, like, there were a bunch of people looking at me cause they thought I was a drug addict. Like they thought I was on something because technically speaking, inhaling fumes, asphyxiating, that is technically under an influence. So yeah, technically I was pretty high. Um, 
but if somebody hadn't opened the door and just they kept staring at me like that, I would have just suffocated. So there's at least three different ways that I should have died horribly that day, but I didn't. So, you know, I look at that, I look at other close calls I've had in my life and, you know, my mom just swears up and down about, you know, it's a miracle, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. But, you know, that's another thing you can look at. It's like, well, I think it was Albert Einstein who said, you know, you can look at everything as a miracle or you could look at nothing as a miracle. You know, it's kind of a perception thing. You know, it's like you could say, oh, well, that whole situation only existed because the perfect things came together and made that happen. You know, like, oh, it was God's fault. I was in that car in the first place or something. You know, I mean, you can you can look at life in a very grateful in a very grateful demeanor and say, yes, I'm so thankful that I survived. That was a miracle. Um, you know, or, or you could, you could not. And, you know, I'm not really as much interested in, you know, I guess the, the, the talking about, you know, how, how people view things as much as, you know, what actually happened. So it's, it's kind of like a, you know, I, I want to get the facts. And so that's why, that's where my interest in, in studying scriptures ever has come from, because growing up, you know, especially in Christian school and surrounded by the church and everything like that, it was very much a textbook to me. It was very much a, this is another subject, just like history or anything else you're going to have to learn. And so, and, and a big part of that, of course, is, is, you know, the topics around death. And, you know, like you were saying, the first question, the, um, you know, what it's, it's that fear. It's that fear of essentially the unknown or, you know, the not currently known that inspires you to want to have a belief once, once, once you to have, you know, something to hang on to. And I feel like, you know, and part of a lot of people, a lot of people who say that they're Christian and, you know, don't only really act on it. I feel like a lot of that is born out of that fear because, you know, they're like, they feel like they have to say something or else, you know, like, oh, well, if I don't, I'm going to go to hell. And, you know, that's really their only impetus for believing and, and being active in, in, in the church at all. But, um, and, you know, and, and it can be hard to really come to terms with that in terms of like, you know, I, you know, if I want to be a genuine person or I want to be a genuine believer or whatever, it's like, you have to come to terms with that and, and really measure yourself up and say like, well, what's my real motivation here? What's my end game? You know, am I doing this just because I'm trying to look for what I can get out of it? Or do I actually want to be a real voice and, and a real, you know, uh, worker for the body of Christ? You know, do I want to be, do I want to be that? And, you know, I think that a lot of people, especially in Christian denominations, there's so many of them, um, are so caught up in the no longer really necessary things that split apart a lot of these denominations in the first place, um, that they don't, they don't ever really get to that, that really personal question. And I think that that's probably one of the most important questions that you can ask is because, um, I mean, like you look at these modern denominations that exist today and they're separated over things that they aren't even separated over anymore. Like who should sing in the church? Can women do basically anything? You know, uh, should the, 
should these elected church officials be able to marry or have sexual relationships, you know, and, and things like that, that a lot of these days are kind of just cast aside because, you know, it's not on the forefront of everyone's, you know, minds and thoughts and things like that. I mean, similarly, the entire idea and belief system and that was presented and assumed in the Bible and, you know, and things like the Torah, you know, we have to remember that these things were written in a different context for people on another side of the world, several thousand, if not more years ago, you know? So it's, it's, it's a constantly changing and growing conversation. And what people don't realize is that we do that a lot today too. things that we, like I was just saying, deem inconsequential, you know, you have to constantly be thinking, is this uh, a breaking issue for my, my walk and my faith with God? And I think that a lot of that, I mean, from what I would understand, um, you know, at least from others, it, it sounds like something that that very much has to be a personal discussion, you know, with, um, I guess, albeit God, you know, um, that's not uh, something I personally experience. But, you know, for those who do, then, you know, I think that that's very much a, a thing that, that they need to um they need to consider for themselves because that's, that's ultimately going to tie right into how you feel when you're on your deathbed and, you know, where, where you're convinced you think you're going to go. But um, anyways, we, this, this topic just so easy to get off topic because <laughs> it's just, it affects so much. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. Because like you said, uh, you brought up like three really good things that like, I think that definitely need to be addressed, whether it's a within the Christian community or just, you know, human nature all in general. And a lot of it, I said, deals with, like you said, our personal, like, kind of walk, you know, when it comes to um, whether it's our faith, you know, that's definitely, less than our conviction. I know you brought uh, about conviction because not everybody has the same conviction about, you know, whatever lies of whatever is going on in this world um so as not everybody has the same convictions and uh you know faith you know when it comes to you know our, our walk here in life you know here on earth so those are you know two big things and another thing that you mentioned that i have seen you know unfortunately in the christian community is like the idea of um like like what can i gain out of this like some people may look at it more as um like am i just gonna you know, say that I'm a Christian, you know, just to say, like, some people think that you just say it, and that's it, like, you're good, you don't have to live it, like, you can just say that I'm a Christian, you're guaranteed that, like, you're going to heaven, and that is definitely a big, like, misconception, and lesson I know that, uh, I said, like, so this could easily go off topic, so I said, it is, uh, it's just the idea of you know the afterlife it can be um something to wonder about like i said a lot of it comes down to just our personal walk in life and as just the convictions and stuff like that that happens so um i'm gonna go ahead and move on to this last question because i know tony has somewhere to be here in a little bit and this question is a little bit more of a a lighter uh question well somewhat i guess as i think so so uh, my last question is um if you were told that you had like three years left to live uh what would you want to do during those three years that you had left that's a that that's actually kind of a it's kind of tough because it's like 
you know, a lot of what I've been doing since I got, you know, big boy software job, you know, and I, I have money to spend of my own for the first time ever has been a lot of trying to do these things that, you know, I dreamed about, like I mentioned, getting a house and, you know, I've traveled a lot, even this year, like I've been to so many different places, just, you know, through extended weekends, take a day off here or there, um, you know, time I was already off, like Easter weekend, like, um, uh, we went to Savannah, Georgia for the first time. That was super cool. I was like, wow, it's just, I never knew this was such a cool place was, but it just ended up because, um, uh, my partner, he's a, he's a now former trucker. And so he got like, uh, there was, he, he now works like the management part of it. And so he, he they had a, uh, they had like a, a trailer way out in Savannah. So like, here, we'll pay you to go out to Savannah and get this trailer. It's like, okay, but while we're there, I guess we might as well just hang out, um, see what's, what's going on there. But, you know, traveling is definitely a, a big thing. I, I really have come to like, like, like my, my refrigerator is already covered in magnets from all these different places I've been just in the Southeast. Um, but I mean, like, gosh, I, I don't know. Like there's, it, it's hard to say because like, sometimes I feel like right now, like I am living the dream, you know, I mean, like part of me thinks, Oh, I do something drastic. Like I quit working. It's like, well, three years, I still need to pay for that, you know? So I don't really know, like, you know, and a lot of times those diagnoses also aren't like for sure. Like there are sometimes people like, oh yeah, you're not going to live past a certain age, but then you get to a certain age. You're like, oh, well, here I am alive still. And, you know, you don't want to be in a position where it's like, uh, you know, you gone and you spent all your money, you lived your life and you're like, okay, I'm ready to die now. And then you're not actually ready to die. You know? Um, I mean, there's, there's more experiences I'd, I'd want to get through, but I think the most important thing um, realistically would be to, to, you know, really spend time with and make sure, I guess that I have, you know, cleared up things with, with the people that I care about, you know, I mean, a lot of my family doesn't really live around me. Um, so I'd probably go and, and visit them and see them a lot more. Uh, I mean, most of my life I've lived in Alabama now, but up until I was about 10 years old, I, I did not. And, you know, it's just, it, it's weird because like in your mind, when you haven't seen someone for that long, you're just like, Oh yeah, I, I can just go right back to that. But it's like, no, everyone's moved on. We've all we've all been living our lives, and you know, it, it'd be nice to catch up with family again. Um, of course, I'm trying to do that more now again because you know, having a job, it grants me time off and all that stuff. You got to juggle that as an adult, um, you know. So I mean, I guess I would just try my best to spend as much time as I possibly could with the people who mattered the most to me. And, you know, see if I could mark off bucket list places I wanted to go in the world. Um, and then, you know, as it got really close, like, I mean, especially if I had to be like bedridden or something, or there was some more indication that, yes, you are dying. Um, you know, at, at that point, I really don't know what I'm going to do because it's like, again, your mind changes drastically whenever you go into the five stages of grief. 
And like, I don't know if at a certain point I would be like, cause, cause like part of me kind of feels, a feels like a, like a reservation kind of thing. Like, like, you know, I, I've been able to manage this non-belief around so many people who have all these very strong opinionated beliefs. It's, it feels almost like defeating, like, oh yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give in. I'll, 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 I'll be like that, um, that. I don't know if he was a robber or a murderer, but he was the guy on the cross next to Jesus. You mm -hmm. know, he was just like, he was actually scoffing and mocking Jesus as he died. And he's like, well, if you believe in me, you'll be, uh, you'll be by my side in, in heaven uh, by the end of the day or tomorrow or something like that. And then he's like, oh, okay. And I was like, wow, see, that's growing up. That was legitimately my view. I was like, okay, cool. It's just a matter of timing. You know, I, I can do whatever I want. But I mean, you know, here's Jesus saving a guy like right before he's crucified for probably heinous, horrible crimes. He's probably killed people, you know. So it's just like it seems a little unfair, but I was just like, well, you know, if I haven't figured out any other grand grand scheme meaning of life, you know, at that point I feel like maybe I guess I would just give in and say, Okay, I couldn't come up with any other answers. Here you go. Let's hope this lands me out of eternal damnation, I guess. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it, it's hard to say until you're actually there. Because um, there's also another part of me that thinks, you know, well, maybe my conviction in life was not having a belief, was not being convinced by anybody. Maybe, maybe that's the secret formula to life is just sticking to your convictions, whatever those may be. And giving up the last minute might be very much antithetical to that. So it's, you know, it, 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 because there's so many possible different things, it's just like, I guess I just have to see what happens because I, I can't imagine it. I mean, it's just like saying someone saying, you know, that they were a survivor of some horrible crime, like somebody did something really bad to them or like they were held in like a prisoner of war camp or something like you can't you can't really empathize with somebody like that unless you've been there you know you have to experience it for yourself and see what you would do um i mean i'd like to think that i'd be calm and cool-headed but i'm pretty sure there would be quite a bit of grieving because no one's really ever ready to die and mm -hmm. like unless you have been born into a life that is just full of so much suffering or you are convinced that it's so much suffering or you have like a a, a mental disability or or a mental illness or something you, you know your brain chemicals are telling you that you you know feel a certain way that may or may not be indicative of the reality of the situation even you know you're not you're not gonna no, no it, I, I feel like it's very natural and it should be for humans as animals to want to survive and at some point, we're not going to be able to do that anymore. So I, I think that that has inspired a lot of, you know, different beliefs in the afterlife and a lot of, um, it's, it's thrown a lot of points of contention about, you know, what, what can I do to keep on living? And, you know, if the answer is nothing, there's nothing you can do it's just it it's just over it it it's it's a very difficult thing for i think a lot of people to grapple with um and um so you know as sure as i mean i i feel like 
I feel like it's uh, it's an important thing for some people to you know be honest and say like sometimes you just don't know, and that's really where I come from. A lot of things because I mean you know the things that drive me, the things that inspire me to live my life, are not really how I'm gonna die. You know, there I want to do these things because I'm alive. Period. So, mm-hmm. you know who is anybody to say, I can't do those things. You know, I, I want to go places. I wanted to get the job and that I have in the field. And, you know, I wanted to learn a lot of cool things about technology and I just wanted to do that. And I did, and I'm continuing to do it. So for me, at least that's good enough for now. If I die tomorrow, I guess we'll find out what happens. Or, I mean, I'll find out what happens or I won't, or I'll just cease to exist. I don't know. Um, but uh, you're invited to my funeral if I do. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess I should turn that question around on you now. Yeah. So I think you make a very good, like, valid answer. Sometimes the answer is I don't know because, like you said, uh, when you're like when you think about it, you may have an idea of what you want to do. Like, if you were told you had three years left to live, but um. But when you're in that moment, you may, your mind, like your mind drastically changes and you constantly want to, I mean, you may say you want to do all these things and all of a sudden that you don't feel motivated anymore, like towards probably the last, you know, half of your, you know, if you had like the last few months, like you may just say, I just want to just stay at home. I don't know. Like there's just so many like different ways that I can go. Uh, For me, let's say you brought up kind of, you probably, two things that like, I definitely would say I can relate to. One thing is family, like, you know, definitely wanting to um, cherish my moments with my family and being with my family. And that's something I currently do. I'm, you know, constantly around with my family. So definitely that's one big thing, making peace with those within my family or those that aren't even in my family that, um, that maybe I have a, a little, I don't know what you call beef with, or, you know, or like a little, uh, you know, drama kind of with and you know wanted to make peace with that person that definitely is really big you know I d- definitely don't want to die a bitter person <laughs> that's for sure so yeah, yeah so I said that's um two big things and also having my own family too like eventually I would love to I mean I'm I wouldn't say if I had three years left to live right now that I'm going to okay well I, I'm going to go marry just anybody and never you know just go marry anybody just to have you know, uh, marriage and, you know, get, you know, have children because I do one day want to get married. I do want to have children. Hasn't happened for me yet, but I'm not going to, if I had three years left to live, I'm not going to, you know, time it out of like desperation or anything, but I would love the idea of, you know, having a wife and having children and stuff like that. So that would be, you know, one big thing as far as family. And then um, another one that you mentioned was traveling, like, uh, I definitely do a good bit of traveling as well. I've been to, uh, so far I've been to four countries and I've been to, uh, 35 States. I'm going to my 36th state, uh, next month when I go to, uh, like I'm going to New York city, which I've been to New York, but I have, but I've only been to Buffalo because I went, I did it like a Canadian road trip and, uh, came out like by Niagara Falls and crossed the border from there to fly home. Cause I got a, we got a rental van. But anyways, like I said, I've been to New York, but I haven't been to New Jersey. 
So I plan on going to New Jersey uh, next month as well. So as I eventually, as far as a goal, um, I want to go to all 50 states. Um, almost there, a, a lot of the states that I haven't been to are in the Northeast, and a lot of those states are kind of close by. So maybe that won't be too hard to uh, to settle. Just Hawaii and Alaska maybe the only two that may be a little bit more of a challenge because they're farther and I'm sure they're a little bit more expensive. So yeah. that is a big goal, like traveling to all 50 states. And then also uh, I would love to travel like all of Europe too. And there are a few <laughs> other countries within like the Middle East and Africa, you know, like uh, like Egypt and Israel and, you know, just do for um, uh, you know, just biblical history like so for those yeah. two and even dubai like so even though dubai is not in the bible but dubai is a nice looking place i want to go to so those are the two big things that i would hope to accomplish if i was told i had three years left to live for it to naturally happen for me to naturally find the right person and get married and have at least a kid or two and then traveling so yeah it's just like hey uh you know uh <laughs> You, you want to get married? I, I won't be around for long, but you know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, what, what do you do? Right. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, go away. <laughs> sorry. Uh, um, but, um, uh, sorry, somebody's bothering me. Um, uh, oh, wait, wait, I think there's food items. Okay. Anyway, uh, I think, oh, I think it's pineapple. Okay. Sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm distracted by off camera things. Uh, but, uh, now, I mean, yeah, I don't think, uh, yeah, you definitely got me beat in terms of numbers of States. Cause I don't actually know how many States I've been to. I mean, some of them I've been through incidentally because like we just drove through them and like, it was like going between, um, like Texas and Colorado, or like one time we drove all the way from Alabama to Colorado, because uh, um, my, my dad was doing mountain training and that was before he got deployed to Afghanistan. Um, so we went to go stay there for like one summer, really cool place, really, really cool. Colorado Springs, especially, it was awesome. It's just my concern about a lot of those states, once you get past, you know, like you get to the Midwest and the West, it's, uh, they get expensive. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, like that, that's one thing that's like, you, you really don't, don't take advantage of like here in Alabama. It's like, gosh, it's so, uh, so cheap. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I guess that's, I guess that's about it. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely would like to do a lot of things, a lot more things before I die. But, you know, I think it's also kind of part of the human condition to never really be satisfied. I mean, if you have a real like zest for life and wanting to do things, you know, you're not really gonna, um, you're just gonna wanna do more once you experience something else cool. So I'll just do as much as I can. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way to kind of end this topic. You know, it's really because unless we like while we're here on earth, there are different goals that we have in mind. And like once we get to that goal, then there's another goal that we want to go after. So it's almost like we're always longing to do something and always longing 
to you know fulfill you know a dream or you know something like that so that's definitely you know big so like I said that's uh definitely a good way to end this and as I definitely want to thank Tony for being here again it's good having him back and I look forward to having him back for a few more things he's a few more topics he signed up for a few of those so I look forward to having him back and uh, for those that are watching this whether it's on YouTube or if you are listening to this on uh, on the podcast listening apps like uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts I definitely appreciate y'all as well and uh, anyways I, we are going to go about our day and you know, so I hope that everybody has a good rest of your day and i will see y'all on the next episode thank you everybody that took the time to listen to this episode of not your average joel my podcast is available on youtube anchor apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify radio public pocket cast and overcast if you want to see some standout moments funny moments or behind the scene moments from my podcast then please visit my instagram page at not your average joel podcast if you enjoy my content and want to see and hear more about my episodes then please subscribe to my youtube channel where you can hit the bell notification so that you can be notified whenever i post a new episode you listening to this episode means so much to me and if you ever want to be a future guest on my podcast then please feel free to reach out to me on my instagram page i can't wait to share more of my life with you guys on the next episode of not your average joel thank you everybody once again and i will talk to y'all later goodbye